Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I grew up in a very run-of-the-mill, middle-class neighborhood in San Antonio. Our house sat on a corner, and the fence around the backyard had horizontal wood beams that almost formed an X, as opposed to the vertical fence posts I am more familiar with. Because of this, there were larger gaps between the beams, and seeing through was fairly easy. Another detail worth noting, our back gate on the side of the house near the road had been wide open many mornings. Because of this, my dad had looped some wire through the latch, twisted it like a bread tie to keep it engaged and closed, but we would still find it open. In the backyard, there was a large deck and an above-ground pool that the deck was built up to on one end, 
A huge, beautiful oak tree shaded the deck and the part of the pool closest to the house. My sister and I would anchor our feet at the farthest edge, closest to the back corner of the fence, and sunbathe on our floats. This incident occurred on a Sunday. My grandfather was visiting, and he, along with my parents, was inside napping. My older sister was gone with her friends to a different pool, and I decided to go float in the backyard. My mom closed the blinds to the back and habitually locked the back door before laying down on the couch to snooze. I was in the pool for maybe 20 minutes when I noticed someone standing on the other side of the fence looking in. The sun was shining in my face so I couldn't see him well, found it weird, but didn't say anything. I saw him walk off and didn't think much about it. Minutes passed and I decided to swim around a bit to cool off and get back on the float, this time on my stomach with my face looking up at the house instead of towards the fence. It felt like just a minute passed when I heard the sound of wood creaking. I turned around, and this man was halfway over my back fence, maybe fifteen feet away from me once he hit the ground. Part of me was in shock, and I froze for a moment before sheer terror and panic took over. This was not a dream, it was really happening, and I needed to get inside now. The pool felt Olympic-sized, and I couldn't get to the edge and climb out fast enough. By the time I made it out of the pool and started running to the back door, the man had made his way around the pool and was also up on the deck coming towards me. He was maybe in his late 20s or early 30s, pretty thin, and around my height 5 foot 9 for context. He just walked the entire time and never spoke. I reached the door, and it was locked. I started screaming, Let me in, let me in and pounding on the door. At least my mom was right there to unlock it, but 30 seconds felt like 10 minutes. When my mom opened the door, he was standing right behind me with this blank look in his eyes. I was crying, my grandpa was freaking out, and the man was still just standing there looking inside. My dad came downstairs, went crazy screaming at the man, pushed him, and told him to get the F out. My mom was on the phone with the police at this point, and the next moment made the whole thing ten times creepier. The man got up, walked around the house over to our back gate, which had the wire in the latch, untwisted it, and pushed through, leaving the gate wide open. He walked back across the street and into our neighbor's house. The police arrived, and it turned out the man had been staying with his sister for the past eight weeks, and was on parole, recently released from jail theft and assault charges. He had also broken into a different neighbor's home and stolen some china and a few of their family photos. He went back to jail, and we never found our back gate left open again. I still get chills thinking about this because my sister and I both had our bedrooms downstairs with our windows facing the backyard, and I just know he was coming in there and watching us at night. My parents moved out of this home a few years later when I went to college, but I slept upstairs on a pull-out couch for months after this and will never live on a ground floor again if I can help it. I know how it sounds, but there's just no gentler way to put it. Something is eating my neighbors. I first noticed it last Tuesday morning, when I looked out the window and saw that Lewis, the old man in the apartment across the street, wasn't out on his balcony by 7 a.m., waving to that bald figure with his fluffy bathrobe, coffee cup, and newspaper had become part of my morning routine, and his absence bothered me more than I would have imagined. It was as though without me noticing, some subtle and sinister change had taken place in my world, throwing it into a disquieting new orbit. 
The apartment two stories above Lewis had also gone dark. Two kids lived there, and they were always up to something, sticking their drawings to the window, jumping on the beds, or singing into a child-sized plastic karaoke machine. Now, however, there was nothing but blackness in their rooms, and an ominous breeze seemed to blow through their white curtains. Even when it rained on Wednesday and Thursday, no one bothered to close the windows. Worse still, when I rang Lewis to check on him with no answer, of course I saw that his mailbox was stuffed full of mail and newspapers. Lewis was so meticulous I could have set my watch by him. There was no way he would have left without putting a hold on his precious daily news. Even so, I didn't really start to worry until the noise upstairs came to a sudden stop. The 20-something couple in that unit had a very active lifestyle, getting up early, working out in the middle of the day, and hosting parties late into the night. From the sound of it, they also had a very healthy relationship. Lately, however, there's been nothing but silence. If I hadn't started working remotely, I doubt I would have paid attention to any of this. But now that I'm trapped in my apartment with nothing but time, these little differences become all the more clear. They make me remember things, things that at the moment didn't seem important, and also things that I prefer to forget. There are a lot of apartment buildings on this street, some old, some new, without even alleys to divide them. Looking out the window, it's clear how easy it would be to move from one building to another. There are rooftops, sewers, and even empty gaps beneath the buildings. When I had the bathroom redone, the back wall had to be removed. A middle-aged plumber on his smoke break pointed through the gaping hole in the tile wall. The circle of pink insulation around it made the black pit in my wall look like a toothless mouth. Inside was a three-foot gap filled with a tangle of pipes and dusty spider webs. I once pulled a rat as big as my arm out of a space like that. The plumber exhaled a cloud of smoke. Another time, we found a bedroll, a bottle full of piss, and dirty tissues on the other side of someone's wall. That's the thing about these gaps between buildings. Anyone, or anything, can live there, and there's no way to know until it's too late. At the time, I thought the about-to-retire plumber him was just having a laugh at the expense of the remote-working yuppie me who couldn't stick two pipes together to save his life. But as more and more apartments around me fell into a dark, dead silence, I wasn't so sure. They couldn't all be on vacation. I used to enjoy taking showers at night, but lately I found myself pressing my ear to the wet tile wall, listening for sounds behind the wall or inside the pipes. And when I dream, my dreams are of falling through that tight, lightless space between the walls. Millions of people live in this city, all strangers to one another. And if one person, or even an entire family went missing, how long would it take anyone to notice? If several went missing all at once, how long would it take the underfunded, overworked authorities to recognize a pattern? Weeks? Months? Even longer? Three nights ago, I woke to a sudden crash from below. My eyes snapped open. I lay in the darkness, heart thundering and paralyzed with fright, as something heavy was dragged across the floor of the apartment beneath mine. I finally mustered the courage to get out of bed and investigate, but by then it was too late. Standing in front of my neighbor's bare wooden door, I realized how alone and unarmed I truly was. Annie? I whispered my downstairs neighbor's name, but there was no response. A few hours later after the sun came up this time I tried again. I was about to give up when I remembered that I'd watered Annie's plants for a month while she was on vacation. 
She told me to keep the spare key. It was probably still in my kitchen drawer. I knocked, rang, and made every other sound I could think of before entering her apartment. I knew full well that what I was doing was probably illegal, and definitely an invasion of privacy. Annie's apartment smelled faintly of marijuana and mint oil, just as I remembered, but I couldn't shake the feeling that there was another odor hiding under those familiar scents something foul and reptilian. The blinds were drawn, and flies buzzed around a half-eaten bowl of soup on the kitchen table. A knocked-over chair lay on the floor beside it. Annie? I tried again. My neighbor's jackets and shoes were all in their places. Water dripped from the washcloth in her shower. It was like she had never left the apartment, and yet. My eyes were drawn to the large ventilation shaft in the bathroom wall. To my anxious mind, it looked like an empty eye socket perhaps with something nameless staring out at me from the other side. The wall below it was discolored somehow. I tiptoed closer through the gloomy apartment and reached out to touch it. The wall was slick with a slimy substance that emitted that same strange odor. The floor creaked behind me. Ooh, what the hell do you think you're doing? A woman who looked like a younger version of Annie stood in the doorway, her mouth open in shock. Ami's sister, Ellen. She was already dialing the cops. I looked down at the flashlight in my left hand and the hammer in my right. I can explain, I pleaded. I was just looking for Ami. I heard a weird noise last night, and then when she didn't answer the door, I thought. My voice trailed off. Ellen glared at me skeptically with her thumb frozen above the call button. With one hand on her hip, she slowly lowered her phone. You touch anything? Ellen asked. What? No, I just... Good. I was supposed to meet Ami for lunch, but she never showed, and my sister would die before she'd miss an appointment. I hoped not, but given the circumstances, I kept my mouth shut. Ellen opened the blinds and rummaged through her sister's things while I did my best to describe what I heard. I don't get it. Ellen frowned. Her wallet, phone, keys, they're all here. Unless Ami walked out of here in her PJ. S. She should be around here somewhere. But there was no sign of Ami, not under the bed, not on the balcony. She was just gone. After an awkward mid-hallway handshake, Ellen and I parted ways. I still wasn't sure if she planned to go to the police, and if so, I didn't dare to share my theory with her. But that weird mucus was still thick on my fingers. After a fitful nap, I decided to ask the older couple across from me if they'd seen or heard anything strange. As I crossed the corridor, however, a horrible thought struck me. What if they didn't answer? What if I was the last one left, alone in the building with whatever had taken on me? The two minutes between my knock and Marie Puig opening her door felt eternal. I dragged myself out of my paranoid thoughts and tried to smile. I told Mrs. Barr Puig that I'd heard some disturbing things lately and asked if we could speak somewhere private. She motioned me inside and put a kettle on. Her husband had gone out, but would be back shortly. In Mrs. Poor Puig's apartment, not a hair was out of place. A loud game show boomed from the television, and the air smelled of lemon cleaner and fresh cookies. My own half-baked theory was starting to feel very crazy indeed. I stammered through a short version of Ami's disappearance and asked if Marie Puig had noticed anything unusual lately. Not since I let my hearing aid go, Mrs. Puig laughed. You'll have to forgive me, but I can barely hear anything at all. I've got an appointment to get a new one next week. Things just aren't made like they used to be. 
When was the last time you saw Ami? Yesterday night. She was arguing with some man on the phone. Mrs. Pewig leaned in close. In situations like this, it's always the boyfriend. Trust me. Disappointed, I returned to my apartment and tried to lose myself in the mountain of unanswered emails and incomplete tasks that awaited me. The sun had set by the time I finally logged off, exhausted. I was on my way to the shower when I looked up and realized, for the first time, that all the units in my building had the same oversized ventilation shaft. I reached out my hand to touch the wall below it, and when I took my fingers away, they were coated in a familiar smelling slime. I went to the gym to shower. I couldn't stomach being naked and alone with whatever might be on the other side of my wall. On my way home, I found Mrs. Pewig, well-dressed as always, being helped into a waiting taxi cab. She waved me over. I meant to tell you, she practically shouted into my ear. My husband never came back from his walk this morning. The police are combing the park for him and everything. I'm going to stay with my son until things get settled down. Just thought you ought to know. With that, she was gone. A clammy, lonely sensation crept up my spine as I returned to my apartment. I couldn't shake the feeling that maybe I ought to do the same thing. Rent a hotel room someplace, wait for all this to just blow over. But I'd have to come back eventually. And what if whatever was between the walls was still hungry when I did? Even though it was after 10 p.m., I grabbed my trusty hammer and used plywood to board up every vent, every window, every other access point to my apartment that I could think of. I didn't have to worry about noise complaints. I probably didn't have any neighbors left to disturb. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Uncounted hours later, I woke up in the pitch blackness of my sealed-up apartment. My home was as dark as the dream I'd been having. Another nightmare of dusty insulation and tangled pipes. A pounding sound was coming from somewhere inside my apartment. Three methodical taps... One after the other, it was no random noise. Something was trying to get in. I grabbed my flashlight, but its batteries must have died after my excursion into Ami's unit. Lost in my own apartment and unable to find a light switch, I bounced off of furniture that seemed to have moved during the night until I finally glimpsed a glow up ahead. The hallway. That's where the pounding was coming from. Daylight blinded me as I flung open my front door. A slender Asian man in a black suit and tie stood before me. Lucas Williams, he asked. I nodded, shielding my eyes from the painful brightness. I'm Agent Y. I'm investigating some dangerous, unusual occurrences in your neighborhood, and I believe that you might be able to help me. Can I step inside? I let out a deep sigh of relief. The cavalry was here. The authorities had finally figured out what was going on, and they were going to take care of it. In retrospect, I probably should have looked more closely at Agent Y's badge. I should have asked him for a warrant or spoken to him outside. But at the time, I was so thrilled to find out that I wasn't crazy that I welcomed the young man with open arms. I flicked on the lights, embarrassed by the boarded up, 
chaotic mess of my apartment. Agent Y, however, seemed to take it in stride. As I'm sure you've noticed, Lucas, there have been a number of disappearances in this area. I nodded vigorously. As part of our investigation, we're asking the residents of buildings on these streets to permit us to temporarily install motion-activated cameras in their apartment. These cameras will alert us to the presence of any intruder in your unit and allow us to respond immediately. I frowned. This was unexpected. I wanted to help, but still. Cameras? Watching me all the time? Please, Lucas, help us to help you. Of course, in the end, I agreed. With his slick black suit and sidearm, Agent Y seemed trustworthy, and besides what choice did I have if I wanted my life to go back to normal? After Agent Y installed his camera and left, however, I found something. Something I would have mentioned to him if I had noticed it sooner. The plywood I had used to cover the ventilation shaft lay on the floor. It had fallen, or been pushed, out of place. Although I should have known better, I replaced the batteries in my flashlight, mounted a stool, and stuck my head into the ventilation shaft. The dark, narrow space was about the size of my head, and it was difficult to look around. At first, I saw nothing but dust, but then I caught sight of the man-sized trail of slime that slithered off into the darkness. Shuddering, I replaced the plywood and doubled the amount of nails that I hammered into it. For three days, I heard nothing from Agent Y. As far as I could tell, there were no new disappearances either. But on the third morning, I woke once again to urgent pounding on my door. I was in such a hurry to answer it that I didn't notice that the plywood covering the vent had once again fallen to the floor. Lucas Williams, Agent Y asked again, as if to confirm that I was really me. We've discovered something you need to see. May we come in? This time, Agent Y wasn't alone. Two more men in black suits were behind him. A dark, spindly man he called Agent Gelida, and a stocky, nervous woman who went by Agent Lopez. Agent Y seemed much more on edge than he had during his last visit. The others swept my apartment as we spoke. I started to protest, but then I remembered that the agents had already seen every corner of it anyway, via their cameras. I'm going to ask you to take a survey for me, Lucas. Agent Y sat me down at my work desk with a paper and pen. It's very important that you answer all of the questions honestly. Can you do that for me, Lucas? I had no idea what was going on, but I nodded. After all, what was the harm in answering a few questions? While I was busy filling in bubbles and ticking boxes, Agents Gelida and Lopez scanned my walls with strange instruments, collected samples, and set up a laptop on my kitchen table. Although I strained my ears to their limit, I wasn't able to eavesdrop on the hushed conversation between them. Besides, I was struggling with some of the questions. As I answered them, an unsettling pattern seemed to emerge, but I couldn't put my finger on exactly what it was. How long have you lived in this unit? When was the last time you ate? What is your earliest memory? Where is the last place you slept? Are you sure you want to do it here? Agent Lopez was hissing to Agent Y. It was all I heard of their conversation before Agent Y motioned for me to sit in front of the laptop that was open in front of the kitchen table. He nodded through the answers to my survey questions, as though they confirmed something he'd long suspected. As he prepared a video to play on the screen, I was uncomfortably aware of the aggressive presence of Agents Gelida and Lopez behind me. Out of the corner of my eye, I could see that their hands rested on their weapons. 
I'm going to show you a video now, Lucas, Agent Y explained, and I warn you, what you're about to see may disturb you. Please, try to remain calm. I didn't understand what I had to be disturbed about. After all, the image on the screen was me. It was a night vision recording of my bedroom, captured by the cameras Agent Y had installed. He fast-forwarded through several hours of me sleeping, tossing and turning in bed, and then, in the recording, I watched my left leg suddenly stuck out rigidly beneath the sheets. It seemed to extend somehow, followed by my right. My hands pawed at my bedroom wall as my arms and fingers stretched, almost doubling in length. I brought my hand to my mouth as I watched the me on the screen distend into something hideous and wrong, and slither across the floor toward the bathroom ventilation shaft. I was still processing the nightmarish video when Agent Y brought up another clip. This was grainier footage from a security camera. It showed Marie Puig's husband, Javier, walking through a dark alley on the far side of our building. As he passed a sewer grate, a horrifically distended hand that I now recognized as my own shot up with tremendous force and grabbed his leg, dragging him down. I'd seen enough. I retched all over the floor, but turned away from the puddle immediately afraid of what or who I might see in it. We're aware that you're a special case, Agent Y was saying, from what felt like very far away, and we know that it's not your fault. For beings like you, this is part of a natural cycle that occurs every 30 years or so. We're going to get you the help you need, but there are crimes here that have to be answered for. Louis Dubois, Rachel Kellerson and her two children, Tom and Royce, Javier Puig, Ami Martin and several off. Wait. I held up a hand weakly. Ami Martin. That can't be. I was in my apartment when she disappeared. I heard her. I fell silent as a groaning noise echoed through the pipes above us. F. Agent Lopez drew her pistol. What? Agent Gelliter responded. That means there are two of them. From the darkness of the ventilation shaft in my bathroom, a pair of glowing eyes stared out at me and grinned. Just moved into a new neighborhood and I'm starting to get really worried. My neighbor, who I do not know at all, comes outside every night when it gets dark and stares at my house with a creepy look. He doesn't move during this staring session and it typically lasts about 20 minutes to an hour. I have called the police about this situation, but they are not much help and I don't know how to handle this on my own. One time I tried staring back at him, and he just wouldn't budge. I went and knocked on his door one time and the house was eerie silent, and there was no answer. When I returned to my porch I turned around, and he was just standing there in the window looking at me with that creepy stare. I have been here a few months, and he doesn't miss a single night of doing this, and one night I was taking out the trash, and he was just standing at the end of the my driveway staring at me, and I said hello what are you doing? and he just stood there and wouldn't budge, didn't say a word. I walked away because I felt like something was about to happen. Literally, as I'm writing this post, he is staring at my house. I live alone and I'm 45 years old. What do I do? Update October 25th. I would like to update everyone and give some more info since I'm getting a lot of questions and I want to thank everyone for the advice. I'm losing a lot of sleep over this and last night I was actually able to get some sleep so it was a relief to finally get some answers on what to do next. Hopefully I can clear up a few things. 1. I don't have any pets. 2. I don't have any floodlights or security, but that is about to change. 
I'm heading out to buy some stuff today. 3. No, I do not own a firearm and don't have the money for one at the moment, sadly. 4. I asked a few people about this guy, and nobody knows anything so I will reach out and try to get more info. He does have a car in the front yard, but it doesn't look like it's moved in years. I have never seen the guy leave his house unless it was to come outside and stare at mine. 5. He looks to be in his early 40s. I have only seen him in the daytime one time, and that was when he was staring at me out his window. He only seems to come out at night. I work during the day during the week, so I'm unsure if he is outside during this time. 6. The police say they can't get involved unless he steps on the property, which he has not done so far. 7. I will be getting an alarm system installed next paycheck. Will have to be an extra bill, but will be worth it because I'm genuinely scared. If you guys only knew the way this guy looks at my house, it has honestly freaked me out and I do not have the option to move. And this is a nice neighborhood, and I didn't expect to be scared to death. This is like some stuff out of a movie, and I'm unsure on what to do and don't know where to go for help. I'm scared to approach him because of the stuff that's happened so far. Thanks for your time and reading this, and hopefully I can find a solution soon. There's this guy that I always see hanging out in a blue truck in my apartment complex parking lot. He always tries to talk to me, which being a woman, unfortunately, is pretty common. Yesterday he called me over to his truck and asked if I wore glasses. Last night at 1am I get a knock on my door, but when I look out the peephole no one is there. This morning I found a note on my door that says, Call me. It's Jesse in the blue truck and his phone number. I have never seen this guy inside the complex, so I don't know how he knew which unit I was in. I'm scared. What should I do? Update. I made a report with the local police and told the property manager who saw Jesse and apparently without even asking or prompting Jesse told him that he left a note at my door. Property manager said he was strange and erratic. They have security watching my unit apparently and Jesse doesn't live here. My current neighbor upstairs in my block of flats. When I first moved in he helped out, and I thought he was a friendly guy. Then after a week or so he knocked on my door, and when I answered he walked in. Okay, nothing creepy about that, but still rude. He asks do I want to see his flat, and I was like sure whatever. So I go upstairs, and he has his laptop open with all this porn and whatnot, and he trying to get me to drink vodka neat, which I refused. He kept asking where my husband and kids were, and I was like, erm I don't have either. We watched some music videos, and he then he gave me some crayons and asked me to draw for him. I did. I was texting a mate to ask him to call me urgently, but he kept asking why and he didn't. Anyway, I made my excuses to leave, and he got in a right strop, telling me to F off. So I did. A few days later, my parents came to visit, and he knocked on the door. I opened it, and he tried to let himself in, but I blocked him and said I was busy as my parents were here. He then told me to prove it. I shut the door on him. Now he knocks on my door to leave packs of bin bags outside and runs away when I answer. Another time, me and the guy downstairs were asking the neighbors for help with Wi-Fi and upstairs guy asked if we were together, and when we said no, he stroked my arm. I went back downstairs. A few months later, and I have only seen him once and there wasn't any creepiness. One. One. 
One. One. One. One. Probably my current neighbor. She called CPS on us last year because my older two sons, seven and five at the time, were playing football in the front yard during a sun shower. She basically told CPS that we locked all of our kids, including our toddler, outside during a thunderstorm and wouldn't let them back inside. It was a complete lie and the case was closed. A few days later my wife was outside playing with our toddler. The neighbor approached my wife and asked her if she learned her lesson. We try not to make any contact with her anymore, but she has made complaints about our treehouse and complaints about the kids playing too loudly outside. She also called CPS on our friends across the street because their son had a black eye. He got the black eye in wrestling, but the neighbor called anyway. She frequently yells at kids for not wearing jackets at the bus stop and still goes to the bus stop with her 12-year-old. I let my kids ride their bikes to school with their friends and she has expressed concern about that as well. She's got issues, but she is moving this summer. We'll be in the clear soon enough.